What's up, everybody? Day two with another podcast. Another episode of Bounty Board. We're doing more of those E3 run-throughs. So, yesterday was Andrew Chard and Monster Outbreak. Today is Koromon and Ruin Raiders. Both of these games are also, these are all indie games. I don't know why I didn't. You should assume this, right? These are all indie games um, made by small teams all over the world. So, Koromon, the first game that I uh, have in this episode, is developed by a company uh, team called Tragsoft, T-R-A-G-S-O-F-T, Soft. Uh, I had the chance to talk to, talk to Joachim and Marcel about this game. It is a monster tamer. So think Pokemon, think Monster Rancher, think things like that. You uh, are a kid that starts at this, it looks like, like an institution, but maybe not like an institution for learning. Maybe you're getting a job. It's interesting. It's early. I didn't get that far into it while uh, getting ready for this interview. I got a lot of these codes like 30 minutes before I was able to talk to the team. So most of the time... That you see these if you watch the videos, it's actually the team playing while I'm asking them questions about it. I was able to get enough into this to feel the amount of like detail and care paid to it. The big thing that they say that they want to use to differentiate themselves from, say, Pokemon, but for, to keep from people just looking at this and going, oh, it's a different Pokemon. They really lean into the story. They really have plans to do a really wide, really, really broad, overarching story. They also have these dungeons you crawl through with these these puzzles that feel a little Tomb Raider-y or a little Indiana Jones-y. So that's very interesting. It's uh, it's like a high-definition pixel art. It's, it's really hard to describe pixel art nowadays because it's no longer 8-bit, 16-bit, right? Like, it's not as easy to just, like, put them in a category. So this is a little bit better than 16-bit. There's a lot of really finite and really, like, caretakingly animated pieces to these Koromon, these monsters, these these creatures. And the studio's been working on it for a while, and they plan on releasing it early 2021. That's the first game that we've got. The second game that's going to be a part of this episode is Ruin Raiders. And if you guys have listened to me talk about anything, the number one thing you will hear more often than not is how much I love strategy games. Ruin Raiders is essentially XCOM if you replaced the like high-density, very high-interactive and a steep learning curve of the XCOM games that are like, you got to learn how to do all this in combat and all this outside of combat, building a base, managing resources, training soldiers. And in combat, you got to worry about sight lines and incognito and overwatch and yada, 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 all these things. Ruin Raiders kind of takes that floor, that initial walk in and lowers it. So it's a little easier for people to get into one. And then two, rather than giving you just soldiers and armor, big gruff buff dudes talking about, it is animals. It's all anthropomorphized squad members. You've got like a bird, a dog, a rhino, a walrus, a cat. And these characters all have different inherent traits. So like the 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 bird, the I think it's a, a crow or a raven, is your sniper class. And they have an ability, a special ability that allows them to add one action point to any player within four, to one player within four squares of them. The cats have run and gun. The same thing that you see in like the assault classes in XCOM that allow them to use the two action points to sprint, but then still allow them to shoot. Rhinos, as you would expect, can armor up. Hippos have like a body slam that does a bunch of damage. It's cool. All of the characters have different little quirks to them. And it is actually, while it's still, you know, XCOM inspired, still very turn-based strategy inspired, it actually has some elements of like a dungeon crawler and a roguelite. You move around the world in between combat, like in real time, 
And then you are on a journey to try and get to like a place that's essentially this universe, this world that they've built. It's there like heaven. There's this gate down in these, in these dungeons that apparently takes you to some kind of paradise. And it, not many people make it. So the roguelite element comes in where you will, you know, recollect blueprints and build up your stash of uh, etrium and things like that so that you can build on the outside. But if you die, those soldiers are gone and you start back over, go after it again. So again, unlike XCOM and it's kind of higher floor for getting into and it's more punishing nature. It doesn't just make you pick up a new soldier and start from scratch because you let one die. That is the modus operandi of this game. You die. All right, take a whole new squad in. Let's try it again. We've got a little bit more to go with us this time. I got to talk with Rodrigo. The team that makes this is out in Spain, overpowered team. They're out in Spain. Um, they've been working on it for a few years, and most like most of these studios, they have plans to release it in early 2021 or late this year. I can't remember which one it is. So those are the two games for this. Yesterday, again, you got Anuchard and Monster Outbreak. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. It's very good. Today, you've got Coromon and Ruin Raiders, and then tomorrow morning, Saturday, special Saturday episode. I'm not. It's not special because I'm doing anything new different than these two. It's just Saturday. We don't normally release on Saturday. Uh, tomorrow will be my most favorite of these interviews. The uh, interview with the Sands of Ara team. That interview is really good. It's really fun. It was the end of the day. We'd all been interviewing all day. We're a little punchy. We're a little uh, foul in our language, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. So enjoy these two. Enjoy the other two if you haven't already, and look forward to tomorrow. I will see you guys sometime soon. Thanks again for listening. Take it easy. How's your how how busy has your last few days been? Uh, very uh, sure. full days, yeah, <laughs> fully sure. packed days. Sure, having fun at least. I that. hope. Sorry. Having fun at least. I hope. We do. Yeah. We love doing this. Yeah. yeah the only the downside is uh, we're from the Netherlands, so it's uh, yeah we have to go to um, until three a.m. today. Fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did a podcast with uh, Rami Ismail like uh, two yeah. months ago, but his he set the time for five, and when the call started, I was like, wait, it's like. 11 o'clock there and at night and he was like yeah i was like oh okay <laughs> he i guess he, he's up late so i was like all right that's fine but yeah you guys yep. have just days until 3 a.m and then have to yeah i guess this week you kind of have to do everything on american time schedule yeah Ugh. sorry that's <laughs> perfect <laughs> So you guys yeah. are making Comer, uh Sorry, Coromon. We are. Uh, I'm the lead developer of Coromon and do most of the programming work. Yeah. No. Well, I mostly take out the the world building, story, cutscenes, dialogues. Nice. Kind of thing. Nice. Writing is writing is my thing. So. Cool. <laughs> I don't so how would you like to uh, approach this today? As in, uh, um, would you like it's... us to? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of up to you guys. Uh, if you want to play the game and like stream it, we can do that for sure. Um, I'll have you guys do that if you don't mind, because I only was able to get into it for about thirty minutes before I had to do a bunch of other stuff, and I don't want to be like reading and trying to ask questions because then I'll just kind of be aimlessly looking at the screen and not saying anything. Um, 
But other than that, I just have a, a bunch of questions for you guys. So, yeah, let me let's get it up. up. Yeah, let's do it. I think Marcel's uh, putting up a screen over here. Yep, I got it. Let's see. There we go. So yeah, Corman is a uh, somewhat of a traditional JRPG. Uh, we try to mix all of the elements we loved in those games and sure. put them together into a uh, a game we love ourselves. Smart, <laughs> good idea. Well, um, <laughs> it's obviously got a lot of. It draws a lot of influence from from uh, like early Pokemon games uh, and other like monster trainers. Um, what about those attracted you guys to? To making your own well we love uh playing pokemon uh i think that's the the game i've played the, the most uh in that time uh, but we also loved uh yeah other jrpgs uh so we try to combine uh for example the narrative of a, a game like golden sun or chrono trigger with the monster taming formula uh we love ourselves sure sure um what uh what kind of things did you add to this to come around to make it um unique to make it yours what what uh what kind of takes did you have that you wanted to, to add to it yeah i think we're constantly uh, trying to change uh and rethink every decision in the monster Tamer game so the monster Tamer formula isn't uh, is indeed a, a way of playing the game but uh, there's so many things to tweak there, as in new mechanics, uh, different kinds of uh, ways to get uh, stat points. Uh, there's also uh, differently colored uh, Kermon. There's um, yeah, all kinds of things you can change in the game to make it uh, more yours. For example, including uh, difficulty tires, sure. uh, tiers. Sure. I got a little bit past difficulty tiers. I think I was learning how to use like the stink cloud and things like that to like be able to make an area no longer uh, ah, nice. encounter prone. Um, and I played yeah, uh, the, the, the intro battle too. There's a lot of there's a lot of like for I really like eight bit slash sixteen bit slash thirty. Like I love when people use the more I don't want to say dated. That seems like an insult, but like. I like when people use more traditional, like bit-based artwork for things. Uh, and this game's one very pretty, and two, I think it uses it really well in the creatures. Of course, I've only seen. Um, what did I see? There's a snow bear that I've already forgotten the name of that I saw, and then the the pitter bug, the little thing that flies. Patterbit, yeah. Patterbit, yeah. That's it. Um, it's it, the the art style is really great, and it's it's. Yeah, it's really great. Um, how yeah, long do you, have you guys been working on it? Uh, it all started seven years ago when I decided to uh, start on this project. A year later, Marcel joined. And after the time, we hired a, uh, an amount of freelancers to help us create this awesome world, create the awesome Coromon, and make some music. Sure. The um, the So the world is got a lot of texture and character to it um what kind of uh inspirations did you use to build out the the world um and like the the cities and the places that you go i think our world building is mostly inspired by uh, games like golden sun and zelda especially miniscap 
I think those worlds are really vibrant. They bring you out in a new biome every time you progress into the story. And we also do that. And we, we made our world by uh, combining uh, six or seven biomes together. Sure. And every time you progress into the story, you find an, a, a different kind of music, different kind of mechanics, different kind of mm -hmm. world around you to really make it uh, not boring. Because the game is about 40 hours long. So being in the same kind of environment would uh, get tedious, I think. Yeah, sure. It would get real tedious. <laughs> I really like the transition uh, that just played between the world and an encounter. The little, like, circular. It's very good. It's a small ah. thing, but I love it. It's very good. <laughs> it's about the details. Yeah, it's all about the details, in including, like, just looking at this. Now, with uh, Squidma and the Moffles on the other side, there's a lot of, like movement built into their their idle animations that makes it feel really alive and i remember yeah. one of my bigger complaints with like and this was a long time ago but pokemon as a kid is that they just kind of sat there yeah we uh, don't have a, i think this because of the, the restrictions we don't have us and those right. uh, those games had restrictions they had to uh, yeah contain to and we have almost unlimited power because the game isn't uh, requesting a lot from your computer Sure. And that allows us to make way more fluent sprites and let mm -hmm. our animation be smooth. And yeah, I really think that it worked out well. It's Yeah, it's really cool to see, like you said, like back in the day, the things that were made were based on what they had, right? And so like anything that we make now that uses that same style is able to do a lot more within that style because we have new technology and, and stronger computer, all of those things. So it's, a, uh, it's another reason I love seeing like these bit-based art styles and these kinds of games done now because they always have like a bunch of really unique stuff added to them. It's good to hear. So um, you said you've been working on it for, did you say seven years? Seven years, yes. Yeah, that's a long time. What, <laughs> uh, what uh, does your timeline look like going forward? Like how close is it to being done? And do you have like your eye on any particular date or anything we do. coming up? All right. We do. Uh, at the E3, we're announcing uh, that Carmen will be coming to Switch as well, as well as Steam. Awesome. And we're also announcing that it will be Q1 2022. Nice. Nice. 2022 is going to be a very expensive year for me, I think. <laughs> Most of the things that are... Uh, being announced or have been announced are, are, are looking like they're going to end up in 2022. And that's awesome, one, but also I'm going to have to spend a lot of money. So, you said this game's going to last about 40 hours, you said, in the campaign? Yeah, that's a rough estimate. We have a, the publicly available demo you played. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about 5 to 10 hours long, depending on your playstyle, of course. Sure. And that is just up, to, up until the first Titan, first of six. So okay. there's really, after that, there's really uh, dozens of hours uh, still to play. Awesome. What um, what kind of things, aside from biome changes and, of course, the the different Coromon that come with a different biome, like what other changes do you have to challenge players as they progress and get higher leveled? Yeah, I think uh, there's different aspects. As in, for example, uh, this dungeon is full of uh, puzzles which doesn't don't only uh, require you to do battles, but it's also more of a, a training for agility, a training for puzzle-solving logic. And we love puzzles ourselves, so we really went sure. all out on that. 
That's awesome. What kind of puzzles um, did you like? You mean like old school Tomb Raider style, like pressure plates and sliding obelisks and different keys? What kind of puzzles? You'll did you see build some uh, pressure plates in this din specific dungeons as well. But we yeah. also try to make it a more modern version. As in, there's also a uh, a mechanic uh, after this room, uh, which I haven't seen in any other type of game before. And we really try to make uh, unique mechanics, making it fun to explore a new dungeon and finding out uh, the mechanics of how it works and how to traverse between it. I think our puzzle building can be more compared to Zelda games than any monster taming game. Sure, yeah. I like the, there's, I. so I'm one of those kids that didn't play, I played Sega growing up, so I missed a lot of Nintendo properties, but got into Zelda as I got older. And I love all of the, the games that come out now that take Zelda and try to do something a little different with the formula or try to like replicate the way they felt playing those games because it always creates this super unique uh you know space to kind of relive some things that are also adapted differently what um like what aspects from other games from your for your own childhood did you use to make this game outside of Zelda and Pokemon were there any things that you tried to pick up from something else uh, could you repeat the question? Sorry, you're good. I, it was kind of a long question. Um, <laughs> the game has, uh, I think, obvious influence from Zelda and, uh, and and like other Monster Tamer games. Were there other elements from other games that you tried to mix in? Or did you try to just take those like core influences and then do something your own after that? I think um, the most important part there is the narrative. As in, we think uh, the narrative in most Monster Tamer games isn't really... Uh, I wouldn't say not good, but not really deep. It's not really an emotional scenery. There's not really a, a big thing going on. It's really down to the ground. And yeah. what we try to do is make a uh, a big uh, backstory and you're really experiencing all kinds of uh, world-changing uh, things. We start up uh, pretty slowly, just casual, learning the world around you. But at some point, uh, the world around you starts to change, and it's up to you to really, uh, yeah, in the end, save the world. It sounds cliche, but it's really a fun experience to do when you don't know what's going on. Sure, sure. What's um? So, like, more on that. What uh, what kind of story would should players expect? Like, what is it going to be? super focused on a person is there going to be a big cast of characters what kind of uh what kind of things uh should we look for there is going to be a big uh cast of characters uh because you're uh, traversing to every biome and meeting new players over there uh, seeing new situations for example you'll be, uh, you, you'll be thrown in, into prison you'll be uh, yeah all kinds of things so in that process, you're meeting a lot of uh, characters. I think we have over 200 of them. Uh, but throughout nice. time, you're working with a Titan task force, which is a task force which is uh, specialized into researching the Titans. Okay. And you're going to uh, help them investigate the Titans by uh, challenging them to a battle and afterwards extracting a bit of Titan essence from them. Uh, sure. This Titan Essence is really important uh, in eventually um, 
restoring the balance of the world around you. Uh, at some point, uh, there's even aliens coming to this planet, which are disturbing uh, the elements of this uh, planet. And yeah, it's up to you to restore this uh, balance. Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That's awesome. I, uh, I, like I said, I've only played a couple Pokemon games, not a ton, but the story's always been something I wished was a little more central, a little more like built out. Um, so it's cool to hear that you have like big overarching plans for story and all of those characters and a lot of exploration. Um, man, yeah, this is this looks really good, and it's got a lot of. A lot of things that are make, making me very interested in it. And that's, I guess you should, I mean, you need a little bit of foreknowledge to know. I don't generally play games like this, but I started playing this uh, this morning. And for some reason, like the art and the animations, things like that, like it, I got hooked instantly. So this is really, <laughs> well, this is really well put together. Um, how many, uh, how many people are making this with you? Uh, well, we started out as just two, uh, and I think we're hiring about uh, 10 to 15 freelancers throughout time, as in okay. they had bigger and smaller tasks, but sure. uh, yeah, about that. Nice. So, and so what we're seeing here, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go, no, go ahead, go ahead. You're about to tell. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what we're seeing here is a uh, Titan battle. These battles are a lot of a lot different from the uh, battles you would normally do. Mm. Uh, what you see here is that the Titans have way more HP, uh, about 10 times as much uh, as regular Coromon do. Sure. And this really makes you uh, think ahead, as in you really need to uh, do the spells uh, which uh, have a long-term effect, but also uh, deplete, for example, the stamina of your opponent. And uh, yeah, things like that you need to do, as in really strategize your way through these. And you'll need all of your squads to even beat one of these. Sure. Yeah, I, I doubt there's many instances where you could use a single Koromon and take on a Titan. Yeah, um, I really try to motivate uh, using a strategy. It, it feels sure. way better to defeat a opponent with strategy instead of just steamrolling it with a, a certain spell. Sure, yeah. And I, I'm sure it allows players to kind of build their own roster with their own synergies or their own, like, characters that work together right exactly yeah um are any of the titans like elemental and like would then lend to players being able to build a specific team that would work better against the titan or the titans kind of neutral uh enemies that cause you to strategize in different ways they are uh elemental so each uh titan has a different weakness and different strengths uh, perhaps we can uh, have a look at the name tag after this. Oh yeah, sure. Which is, uh, and you can see uh, the type effectiveness uh, being indicated at the uh, name tag there. For yes. example, what you can see here is uh, this titan is of a sand type. And okay. sand type is weak to water and resistant to nice. those types. Okay, cool. So we really try to put that information right in front not uh, keeping you in the blank of what to try. You also see the indicators over there. A uh, small green indicator means uh, it's a very effective move, and a small red indicator, it's not effective. Nice. Yeah, a lot of visual like cues to clue you in on how to 
to better best utilize your skills. That's really cool. Exactly. Yeah, this is great. What uh, you said there were six titans. There are six. Yeah. Okay, and those are the like the main goal you're you're hunting throughout the game. Uh, one, of, one of the yes, main goals. Yeah. It's 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 essentially the main goal, but there's a lot of stuff happening around that. As sure. in, you're you don't know at the start what you're doing. You're just researching them, and yeah, at a certain point, it all changes, and it's a real different vibe in the game. Sure. Is there um, any player agency over the story, or is it mostly linear? It is uh, mostly linear, but we okay. try to let you explore uh, freely. So yeah. we sometimes give you certain modules you can backtrack with and explore some optional areas. Sure. And we have a lot of side quests as well. Sure. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, and with you know 40 hours worth of stuff to do, I'm sure people are going to find ways to do things in different orders and encounter things differently. Um, how many of the, what was I gonna say? You mentioned side quests. Um, are there any like bonuses that will come from those side quests that like people won't get elsewhere? Or are they more like a way to build XP? Cause you know, a lot of monster tamers will have you like grind for increasing level. Like are yeah. these, uh, how, are the, how do the side quests work into that? Yeah, we're not a fan of those kind of quests. So the, it's not filler quests. It's really uh, all kinds of new, interesting ways which really fit in the environment. For example, there's a uh, this city here has a uh, inventor uh, in the town which you can interact with and start a side quest with, and you have to get um, uh, you have to loan him some money, and later he asks for more, and you have to do some other things as well. And sure. eventually you will finish his invention and you'll get a prototype of this invention, allowing you to travel through a optional cave uh, much easier. So it's really in a specific item you wouldn't get out elsewhere uh, with a whole story around it. Yeah, sure. That's awesome. Um, it looks like you took down this Titan. Well done. Yeah, this looks great. This looks great. You said you've got plans for it to come out beginning of next year yeah correct awesome um any other plans to do like any early access or beta testing for people before then uh at the moment we don't have those plans but that might change in the future sweet uh and how can people um follow you how can people keep track of oh man it evolved that's awesome <laughs> i didn't realize what was happening a for a second yeah that's cool god the the Idle animations in this are really good. The pixel art's really good too. Thank you. Um, yeah, how do how do people follow you guys and this project as you uh, as you work on it and bring it to completion? I think the easiest way would be go to coraman.com and we have a link to all of our social media there. So it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, about everything there. Yeah, sure. Discord. Sure. Yeah, and uh, Discord. Yeah course um well awesome that's i'm excited to play more of the demo how long do you say the, the the demo is uh the the publicly available demo is about five to ten hours that's awesome so people can all give that a shot and that's on steam yeah. right now it's a, it's a really lengthy demo it really give you a, a vibe of how it will be yeah i saw that when uh, when 
Well, of course, when your characters interact with the player right in the beginning, they say, like, one, you can get your Coromon uh, to level 25, which is awesome. But then you also say that um, your saves here will be able to be used in the, the game when it comes yes. out fully, which is also very good. I didn't, I don't know why games didn't do this always. I'm sure it's a capability kind of thing, but now that more games are doing the, your save in the early access or in the beta or in the demo is saved, I think it's a really good, um, what's the word? It's good, it's, it motivates players to actually like get into it and dig into it. Yeah, that, that's, that's it why again. we took some efforts to uh, make that possible. As I really think players should be motivated to play this and really give it a chance. So they don't get demotivated by, oh, my saving will be deleted. This is a wasted time. Sure. So in this way, they really could uh, try it out. Uh, and that works really well. Uh, our demo has over a million players already. So uh... Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a good uh, the rest of your E3. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I think we're close to the 30 minutes. Um, try and get some sleep. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you guys are up <laughs> real late. Um, but I'm sure that this is really great exposure and, uh, I can't wait to tell people about this. That's good to hear. And, uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, you guys have a good, have a good weekend. Have a good E3. Yeah, you too. Yeah, you too. See ya. See ya. Bye. Sorry. Introduce yourself again. I hadn't hit record on my end. Um, I want to be able to capture that real quick. That's okay. Okay, great, sure. Um, I'm Rodrigo. I'm one of the um, founding members of Overpower Team, which is a studio um, of uh, five members in Madrid. And nice. I'm also um, one of the uh, anime. Uh, I'm the animator and one of the artists of Ruin Raiders, which is a tactical shooter mixed with roguelike. Awesome, awesome. So um, I uh, let me get. I'm trying to put your this screen of us on here real quick so that I can also have that captured. And I did it. Sorry, it took me a second. Um, so I started this, uh, as I said to you just a moment ago, and got through the tutorial on the first mission. So it's it seems like it is a kind of XCOM-inspired game, but with animals as the characters. Uh, it's roguelike, so you run through, and when you die, you die. You're trying to get to um, these gates to, like, paradise, right? Um, the, so, I have to ask one question before we get into anything. The first thing I noticed is that you can pet <laughs> your characters in between, um, like combat. Like if you're walking around in free roam and there's like a little hand that pops over them and you can like scratch them on the head and they like talk. And I think that's adorable. And who great. thought of that? Because it's awesome. <laughs> well, um, actually, um, I don't really know who who of us five came up with it because um, we um, we follow this um, um, Twitter account. It's called Can You Pet the Dog? Of course. Which <laughs> of course. Which I guess you know it. Yes. And we said, uh, uh, dude, we have so much animals in this game. Why shouldn't why wouldn't we put a petting um, mechanic just for fun? Yeah. So yeah, we we went on with it. Yeah, that's and perfect. Pet any animal, not just the dog. Yeah, I love it. Um, there's a, there's so playing through the game, right? Uh, not through in the time I've had with it, it's got really solid like 
It's got a really solid aesthetic. It makes uh, a lot of sense with all of the parts that are given, right? So all the characters fit in the world. I think that the art style being just a little less than photorealistic, but but more like the stylized cartoony uh, allows it to have a little more personality. Um, even like the XCOM games aren't photorealistic. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little bit of frog in my throat. It's from playing this game. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even the XCOM games are just a hair under photorealistic. They have their own like character, their own style. Um, what was yeah. the inspiration for the style you guys went with for for this? So um, we went with this style because um, first of all, um, we um, the both artists in in our team, um, we uh, are most comfortable inside um, stylized. Um, um, uh, how do you say it? Like um, stylized art, yeah, sure, yeah, and environment, and um, and we wanted to um, follow with um, uh, the path we started with our previous game, which was um, God Strike. I don't know if you maybe heard about it. I've it's heard a of completely it. Yeah, different, different game. It's a bullet hell. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we wanted to stick with um, something stylized, which we find very fun to do and very visually appealing. Yeah, and it also allows us to. Take some liberties like um, um, having anthropomorphic animals that are um, kind of serious but also kind of um, fun um, looking. Sure, yeah. It definitely allows you to like be more expressive, right? Instead of being photorealistic and just making people look like people or whatever it yeah. is you're doing, you get to add like some individual style to it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I tend to prefer games that have that kind of i mean that, don't get me wrong photorealistic has its own merits yeah, totally. but i i super i super appreciate uh, a good style coming from a studio so you said you guys are five people in madrid yep nice. um we're a studio based in madrid and we are five we're two artists two programmers and one designer nice so all this hard design behind this game has been done by one person that's all awesome. the all the fights in the game have been carefully crafted, handcrafted by our designer. So you will never find a uh, a an impossible fight or an unfair fight because we have um, really been careful um, sure. with making the game super fair and uh, and available for both uh, hardcore and newcomers to the genre. Sure. What um, what kind of things? do you walk through and building levels since you're such a small team like is it more like a build and then try it or is it you build out a series and then run through those like how what's your what's your like internal play testing process look like since you're such a small team so our internal um um workflow um went um with our designer doing a white box of um different types of um combats which is basically mm -hmm. um creating um the whole um scenario with um um white boxes and stuff that are really really ugly but allow him to test stuff really sure. quickly sure like the super and, rudimentary like starting blocks yeah exactly yeah. and while he was doing that um the artist uh, we made a list of what uh, kind of assets we would need um uh, for each type of fight and we started working on them and slowly implement them um, to the um, levels he 
he created and which he yeah um, he, he made a white box uh, tried the battles um then um worked on them until um the fights seemed uh, cool sure and then went to the next one and created of um different battles sure for this workflow yeah that's awesome um how long have you guys been working on this um we've been working on the game for one year and a half okay if i don't remember if i remember correctly um and uh and we're um um closing the game pretty soon nice pretty soon do you, uh, what's your uh, what's your timeline look like for it so um we don't have a a launch date yet um but we do have a a, a frame and uh, uh you can expect the game to be launched by the end of the quarter of this year so late 2021 sure that's awesome um uh, what uh sorry i keep cutting you off um no no don't, what, don't worry what kind of so it's uh it's a dungeon crawler in effect outside of combat you're kind of going through looking for loot traveling further uh on your journey to get to this destination what um like length are you guys aiming for in that like what's the the overall aim for how long it would take you to say complete a run all the way through okay so um first of all um one whole run we have um uh we have seen that um it can take up to one hour and a half uh, maybe two two hours if you are having a pretty hard time sure. um um to go from the highest level of the ruins to the deepest sure and uh and you also need to keep in mind that um for your raiders to be this strong and uh, and be able to endure a whole journey to the depths of the uh of the ruins you will need to have played several runs before to upgrade your base and find blueprints that will allow you to craft stronger weapons sure. items and perks yeah so um by by the time you reach that um final run maybe you have you will have invested at least um 10 hours into the game yeah okay okay um now with the oh i had a question yes okay so with the the like earning blueprints uh, in the menu that can pop it up again oh you need to be out. Oh, of I'm, I'm in combat. Good yeah. call. Good call. That makes sense. Um, in the menu, though, there's uh, like the mastery tree and uh, like you said, blueprints. So it's not exact. It's not a rogue like it's a rogue light. Right. So you have like yeah. a persistent progression you're making as you're going, um, which makes sense. But the first run, I wouldn't imagine I'm going to be successful in like beating it. That wouldn't be difficult enough. Um, what kind of like scalable or not scalable perhaps but like what kind of difficulty do you add to the game as you get further is it just more enemies bigger enemies different types what's the what does the enemy kind of layout look like as you progress yeah um while you progress um through through the game um you will always have um balanced fights pretty much because sure. um unless you you have found uh, um very powerful blueprints which are really scarce and require um either a ton of luck or many hours of gameplay um you will only be able to equip your um allies with um loot that you find on 
the current level they are. Okay. So so fights will always be um, kind of at the um, strength level of your raiders. Okay. Also, um, each biome that you visit will have um, different enemies. Um, each of them um, with different um, quirks and abilities that you will have to learn and uh, and uh, figure out how they work uh, to to beat them basically. So so yeah. yeah, as you progress through the game, you you will always have some challenge of some sort. Sure. Um, I noticed when when you like select your squad in the beginning, you get the option to choose between a bunch of different animals. Frogs tend to have uh, like a so each one has its own special ability that's inherent to them like frogs seem to have like a, the ability to poison things the crow has the ability to add it's called inspiration right you get to add um an additional ap to a player within a range um yeah cats have run and gun which makes a lot of sense because they're nimble right um yeah totally the rhino adds armor and then what's the walrus do i forgot uh, Walrus does an area damage that um, affects um, both allies and enemies inside um, sure. that area. Like a like a body. Um, so it, yeah, so it's really really nice to clear um, several enemies that have been damaged. Yeah, sure. Throw, run your run your big walrus in and clear out a little bit of an area. Um, yeah. Do you have plans for more characters, um, or is that just like? Because I'd also noticed. Sorry, I keep getting ahead of myself. In the the like main menu that you start in, you've got a bunch of different facilities that you can upgrade with the the uh, the money that you earn. What's that called? Atridium or something like that? Entium. Entium. Yeah, you can like yeah. upgrade Entium. those different facilities. And I noticed that the facility for recruiting is upgraded in the demo, so that you can choose yeah. between all different sorts. So, do you have plans to add more than are just in the demo? Um, or is the demo kind of a vertical uh, slice of what you're going to have when you have everything? Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, the demo, just for the sake of being a demo, is uh, currently a vertical slice. Okay. Um, we have up fully upgraded some some of the buildings and partially others, um, so you can test stuff. Um, but um, no, for, for the launch, we are planning to uh, launch with six different races. Okay. Uh, and you will start the game with three of those six, so you will... Um, Unlock the other other ones progressively. Okay. Um, and uh, okay. and okay. also other buildings will allow you to unlock. Um, well, use higher tier weapons and items that unless you you upgrade those buildings, when you loot them, you will have the item like a sitting duck in your inventory because you're not too skilled to use it. Sure, sure. What um hmm is there like. So this is a weird question, but with XCOM games, uh, at least in my experience, there's always like a build that you can eventually find that kind of breaks the game. And I've heard that some of the devs that work on XCOM, which is obviously a, a huge team at Firaxis that has the ability to do a lot of yeah. stuff that small studios can't. But I've heard some of them talk about how like having those builds that do kind of break it is something they like about it they like allowing players to like kind of have a mastery over what they're doing to like figure out the way that works best for them um is that something that you're aiming to eliminate in this game keep it kind of balanced or are you kind of open to the same kind of player freedom to find like the right you know upgrade tree through the mastery and the right weapons and upgrades and blueprints that kind of makes their characters feel a little godlike um so 
uh, what I mentioned before that the game um, was pretty um, finished uh, by now. I meant um, that um, the development is um, by um, is pretty complete, but we yeah. we still have a few months before launch that we're going to spend in QA and balancing because yeah. these times of these types of games are super difficult to balance, and we think that um, for the moment we we've done a really good job. And yeah, um, we are very uh, on the same page um, with the XCOM devs. We we don't mind players finding out a a certain composition that is way stronger than the others. But we are going to work on uh, on making that um, finding out these kind of compositions are is hard, and uh, try to balance the game so that you can play with pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, besides having um, really strong builds. Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, so I've while I've been playing this, um, I really like that it's. I don't want to say simple because it feels like. I like a like a bad thing, but it does feel like it's definitely got like a lower floor than a lot of turn-based strategy games. Like if you run into Massive Chalice, which came out a few years ago, the Double Fine made, or XCOM, of course, which I've mentioned a dozen times, or like Phantom or Phoenix Point. Uh, yeah. A lot of those games, when you start the tutorials, like okay, sit down for a few minutes. We have to tell <laughs> you how this works. Um, a little ad nauseum, you're sitting there trying to figure out like, all right, what did they say 10 minutes ago? And this <laughs> game's tutorial is, I, it took me like three, four minutes. Oh, great, I missed. That's good. I thought I won. Okay. <laughs> so this game's tutorial is nice and quick and it's really easy to like pick up and get going. So I guess this is a two part question. One, how much work went into making sure that like this game wasn't overwhelmingly tricky to get into and two how high does that ceiling get in terms of like ability to challenge yourself as you go further and further into it um sure so yeah you're totally um on point with um the the game being more simple um that's something we really wanted to work on but um we also found it um quite risky because um this type of genre uh usually consists of um, very hardcore gamers of um, these type of games. So um, what we aimed for is to create a game that was simple enough for people that aren't used to this kind of game to try it out and maybe um, get into the um, their, their first steps into the genre. Yeah. And uh, also um, provide a challenge to more hardcore gamers um, because um, throughout this um, progression system that the game follows, which you start out pretty weak and um, little by little you will um, upgrade your characters and your base, um, they will be able to get deeper into the, uh, into the um, ruins sure. and, and discover uh, new stuff. Um, as I have, no, I didn't mention it before. Um, we have um, more than 100 items, um, weapons, perks that um, any gamer can benefit from, sure. and um, and yeah, I think that um, both hardcore and uh, um, softcore gamers of this um, genre will really enjoy uh, the game. Sure, I I don't I I always like am cautious about saying I'm hardcore about anything that feels a little 
ick sometimes, but I do really, really, really love these games. Um, and so far, I yeah, this is a blast. Um, when I was I was just out of combat and then I ran into combat again. Shame on me. Um, <laughs> it, what like elements of mastery, uh, if any, and then of the blueprints are persistent, like run to run. I imagine blueprints probably remain all the time. But do you have the ability to take like a character that levels up? Uh, I guess some of their abilities with you into the next run, or does it completely wipe those and you start over from there with the mastery? Yeah, the only thing that carries on from from run to run is um, the masteries. Okay. The upgrades you have made to your base. Uh, no, um, uh, pardon me. Um, the blueprints, mm -hmm. the upgrades you've made to your base, and uh, any text fragments that you have found throughout the run. Sure. And I mean, I, I'm not sure if you have um, seen any of those in your um, previous tribe. I haven't yet. I, I keep I keep looking for them. Are those like little backstory bits to give you kind of an idea of like what you're looking for and where you are? Yeah. In in the menu, you will have one tab that it's um, just for text, and that's how the story of this game is told. It's totally sure. optional in case you are not into um, stories. So um, you will have to pick up different pieces of pages that will um, um, end up being a whole book. And okay. you have different books. Each okay. book is one of the point of views of uh, different people that have been in the ruins. Some of them um, are um, people that lived in the Asian civilization that created the ruins. Um, some of them give you points of view um, about um, what they think about Entium, what they think about um, the enemies and why they are here in the dungeons. You can find um, the final um, words of all the raiders that have tried to um, reach the Gate of Dawn. Sure. And uh, and yeah, uh, there are tons of little stories that will um, give you some nice world building. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. There's a there's a couple of things that like in XCOM I wish were there, which is more of like a a tailored story. Like a lot of those, a lot of the games that are like this like to give you kind of a, a blank slate. You get a bunch of characters that don't have names and you're kind of just doing jobs. And the fun part is that like as the player plays, they attach emotion and they make their own stories in their heads based on the characters that they play with. Uh, yeah. But I do wish that a bunch of these games had a little more going on in terms of like a way to establish where you are and why you're there and what you're doing. So that sounds really cool. How much, how many text files are there? Like how, how deep is that lore that you guys have built out? Um, I can uh, tell you uh, on, the, on the top of my head, um, the number exactly, but um, there are more than, um, more than 50 um, text pages and okay. about 10 different books so nice so yeah yeah it's pretty deep it's pretty deep um that's awesome what was the was there like a particular inspiration for the aesthetic and the theme and like the text that you discover like and by aesthetic i mean like uh like an inspiration like did you draw from some fiction that you like or like an area of fiction that you like um well uh, as i mentioned before um uh, part of the aesthetic is because um, that's what uh, we most um, control, the, right. the um, stylized um, feeling. 
and uh, we also um, wanted, we also saw that um, a lot of the games of this genre um, tend to go through the very serious space marine like uh, characters. Yeah, sure. So we wanted to give um, something um, that gave those vibes, as you can see, um, our raiders are armored in a kind of um, similar way. But we also wanted to make it less serious and more more fun looking. So that's why we opted um, through going with um, animals. Sure, yeah. We also think it gives each race a, a kind of um, a different uh, personality. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. For sure. What um, the world has, uh, has a look to it, it kind of feels at least so far, I haven't gotten very far, but it kind of feels like old school, like Unreal, where it's got like the magical element apparent, but then also like strong sci-fi elements. Like you've got like on screen now an armored droid and then like a magically animated stone sentinel, right? Like, yeah, what um, what kind of inspirations did you use to build the world out around you? Uh, so yeah, um, um, that's pretty much um, uh, how how we built it. Um, we we got um, we all got pieces of stuff that we really like. Like we are very open-minded while designing um, different enemies in in all our games. So we we are not really scared of mixing stuff from different um, uh, different moods um, if they are well integrated. So, so yeah, um, we have uh, people in the studio that really like um, sci-fi, people that really like um, uh, more um, fantasy-like stuff. Sure. And uh, we, we always tend to mix around. So, yeah, um, uh, we, we always get um, different inspirations from movies and other video games. Yeah, draw on the It's an endless really list. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, I really like this. Uh, like I said previously, a lot of times it's one of those things where I really want to get into one of these games, but the like overhead of like, all right, I have to, I have to figure out how to play it. <laughs> and then I have to like get good enough to enjoy it. Cause if you're not good, a lot of times games like this will punish you like crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and this game doesn't look like it's not punishing but it's it's built differently right XCOM if you lose all your soldiers like you have to do the next mission with beginners and it sucks yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's the worst and this because it's built on that kind of rogue framework it lets you lose but that's kind of the point so you get stronger and yeah. stronger so I really dig that it's really enticing they, they also come back stronger because of the base and stuff like that so you right. don't totally lose all the progress yeah no that's great so that's how we forgive yeah, I think it's really smart and a, a good way to kind of build in like a, like you were about to say, like a forgiveness that allows players to kind of experiment and, and test things out. That's really great. Yeah. So you said end of this year, most likely? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Most likely, no. Uh, it, it's going to be very certain that it's okay. um, the the end of this year. That's awesome. Um, what? Uh, I don't really have any other questions. Um, yeah. How do people how do people find your uh, development team and like follow the game and, and and where do we look for that stuff? Um, so you, you can search for us in Twitter um, at um, underscore um, op underscore team. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we always announce stuff through our Twitter, and 
and yeah, that's pretty much uh, um, where we do all our announcements. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Rodrigo, for for hanging out and letting me talk to you for for thank this you so long. much for coming. Of course, and thanks for letting me try this out. And have a good rest of your E3. You too. Have a nice day. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye.